the moderator uh, picked on CNN and said that their their ratings were down forty percent at the end of January after the the inauguration, and they were like, "Oh, it's because of election fatigue," but they didn't jump. They they haven't jumped back up at all. And so, and what the, what a couple of days ago, the number one trending thing on Google was regretting your vote for Biden. And then we're starting to see a lot more of this stuff with um, Jen Psaki and like making fun of Space Force or Circle Back and like. I kind of like when Democrats are in, in charge because the memes just get so much better. Oh, God, I know. I was like, you know, I'm really disappointed. Biden's going to be our president, but we are going to have endless content for the next four years. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Done Right Podcast today. Um, we have a special guest with us today, Krista Hilton. But before we introduce her, we're going to be talking a lot about the news, the media, um, a lot of what the media is supposed to be doing and not doing, and just kind of being a watchdog on the people that are supposed to be a watchdog on the government. So without further ado, let me introduce my really good friend, Krista Hilton, host of the Drunk Politics Podcast. You can catch it on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify, right? Yeah. Is there any place else that you can catch it? I I think a, a lot of other places. I think we're on Google Podcasts and Heart iHeart, maybe. So wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts is where you yeah, I think we'll show up most places. Um, so, Krista, kind of, you know, we were talking about this a little before the show. Um, you know, you didn't just wake up one day and decided you want to start a podcast. You know, there was a, a bunch of different things that you saw in the media. Kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, well, at the time of the coronavirus hit, I was a business consultant and a lot of my clients had to shut their doors. And so um, I read the whole CARES Act and I just couldn't really believe what I was reading as opposed to what I was seeing on the news. So I did go on a couple of podcasts back then and talk about what was in the bill um, and how businesses could utilize it the best. Uh, but towards the back of the bill, there was just like all this pork shoved in it. And it was like Nancy Pelosi's first thing was like 2,400 pages or some shit. And then they whittled it down to 800. Um, but it was still, there was just a lot of money going places that wasn't ever mentioned to us. Um, and then the coverage over it was really, really bad. Uh, and after reading the bill, I just thought, well, what else are they doing this over? And I started becoming a skeptic when um, I noticed a few irregularities in the media. So it just jumped off from there. No, absolutely. I, I, we were talking about this before, but like for me, I'm one of those really like back to the the basic 1776 time of type of Americans, right? Where I'm like the media. The reason we have the First Amendment is so that the media can be a watchdog on the government, and it's not supposed to be a state sponsored like pro propaganda for the 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 government. And we've gotten so far off from that. Um, we saw that a lot with like the Charlottesville riots where Donald Trump was talking about, oh, there's good people on both sides of the statues and the historical monuments debate. And that was twisted and turned into something completely different. And it's we saw that it had a huge impact on not only, you know, the culture and like the perception of Donald Trump, but it also had a huge impact on our elections. And so 
despite, you know, whatever you believe of what happened with the election results, whether it was, you know, fraudulent or not fraudulent, or if it's up to debate or whatever you want to talk about it with, um, I definitely think the media had a huge impact on that because of the way that they reported some of the stories and just the way that they framed it. Maybe not necessarily lying that Donald Trump says there was good people on both sides, but kind of putting that frame in the way um, to make it seem like he was talking about something else. Yeah, that's actually the exact thing that did it for me. Um, I. I never didn't like Donald Trump. I thought it was really silly uh, right off the bat that they were demonizing him so bad because watching The Apprentice and reading his book in the past, like, yeah, but I identify as an as a boss. I've been a boss many times. Um, I identify with that, like, tough love, and as a mom, that tough love situation, like, feel of things. And so um, I, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. But then I saw the Charlottesville thing and I was like, hold on a second. Wait a minute. They're still lying about this, even though you can go back and read the transcript and watch the video. I mean, to me, it felt like an outright lie and a complete and misinterpretation of what he said. And for people to still believe that speaks volumes, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah. And for me, the weird part, too, is like now that that's come become like the general consensus of like, oh, yeah, well, then just go back and watch the tape. Now, these a lot of these media outlets have been caught going back and revising their articles, revising their um, their their videos so that that is no longer part of it. And it's like we're living in this 1984 Orwellian version of truth. And yeah all these news outlets which are supposed to be the beacons of free speech are now calling for the censorship of people that they don't agree with like you saw brian stelter who owns a show ironically called reliable sources right which he's probably yeah. one of the worst at, at um uh you know reporting the news factually um talking about how there needs to be a uh, getting rid of people like Fox News or Newsmax or OAN um, that stifles the other side. And it's just absolutely nuts to me how, like, at what do these people not understand? Like, at a certain point, there's going to be no conservatives. So it's just going to get to the point where it's just people who just dissent with them in general. Well, this has been coming for a long time. So I think that. Um if you watch the progression over the years, you're you're a tad bit younger than I am. But back in my personal early 20s, um, political correctness kind of like came on to the scene. And granted, like growing up, there was no you. There were certain things you shouldn't say or do or whatever. But I remember mid 90s comedy. It, it was fucking hilarious. Right. And that now it's like so offensive. Um, but there, it was a slow progression. And uh, I just. For me, I think that um, we've ignored all the signs that has led us up to this point because we took advantage of our free speech and we slowly let it get stifled. So at this point, we're watching the results of that come to a head after we allowed microaggressions and macroaggressions and all this other bullshit. We've taken away people's backbone and now it's glaring us in the face. So because we became really stagnant as a free speech society and we've let the media kind of take over, we're at this impasse where 
um, there is a there. We have to remember that there's a ton of us that thinks that this is bullshit, and there's more people that think it's bullshit than they don't think it's bullshit. Uh, but all we see is the demonization of conservatives. That's that's what we see. So um, it's you know I don't know what to do, but we have to take a stand and yeah, I mean needs to flip a switch. Well, I, you know, I'm a big believer that like cancel culture is a result of the free market and things like that. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of what has to, you know, I guess how much of the pricing model and like how, you know, the media gains its money has changed how much the media um, has, you know, really just started to focus on the news for me. And I don't know if this is just like a weird hot take that I've had, but I remember back in the nineties when we had newspapers, uh, if you you had to subscribe to the get the newspaper, right? So I had the Las Vegas Review Journal. If the Las Vegas Review Journal start put, putting a bunch of nonsense in there, a bunch of crap and things that weren't true, you would cancel your subscription. And that was their like, you know, like that was the citizens check on the newspaper, basically saying like, hey, don't be doing dumb stuff. But now that a lot of this stuff is being funded by corporate media or like corporations um, or clickbait or Google ads, I think we've we as people have lost our um, our voice in like, hey, you need to like clean your act up because there's no there's no accountability to the people anymore, and so they're pushing toward a base that they're trying to satisfy to get viewership rather than like actual you know the general public. I think. Yeah. Um, do you think with the twenty four hour news cycle and like the death of it coming soon? I I know it it, it has to come soon because. Um, you're looking at stations like Fox News or even Newsmax. They can't fill up 24 hours of time. Um, yeah, I re-say re the same thing over and over and over again. It's and so I think I think the biggest solution is um, you know maybe this transition to kind of what Daily Wire is doing um, and the Blaze is doing is back going back to subscription model prices and. You know, you start to see a lot less um, radical stuff out of the Daily Wire. You, see, you tend to see a lot less radical stuff out of Epic News or yeah. uh, the plays that are like extremely subscription based um, because, you know, like they're not going to they're going to lose a bunch of subscribers if they're doing a bunch of crazy stuff. Well, yeah, because now um, they make money off advertisers. Right. And so if you're not making your advertisers happy, I, we've really seen a shift from capitalism to corporatism in the United States. And I think that that what you're saying is a lot of truth. Um, and the corporations have been running the media, um, just like they've been running what go what goes up and what comes down on Wall Street, as we've seen with this Wall Street bets situation um, the last couple of weeks. So uh, people are starting to open their eyes to wait a minute, hold on, we don't really have a free market, we don't really have a free press, and we really are losing our right to have a voice. So something's got to give. Yeah, and I think with this is like the biggest thing that I could tell people is this is really isn't capitalism at all um, because a lot of these corporations are backed by the government, right? Like they're getting a lot of crony. It's crony. I call it crony capitalism in which yeah. a lot of this uh, money is going to these corporations. So it's making it um, almost impossible to one, compete with them. And then two, because like these cable companies and these infrastructures are getting money for infrastructure from the government to build those telephone lines and 
and those cell phone towers and, and things like of that nature. And then you're going to get like Amazon Web Services where they're at a point where they're too big to fail. Like how many government service websites are probably on Amazon Web Services? A lot, probably. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think it's it's time to, you know, it's it, we got to clean up politics a lot. I, I think in, you know, where in your opinion, where do we start? Because it just seems like a lot of people have lost hope and there's a lot of candidates out there that you just don't feel like you can hang your hat on. Like I know for me, I was, I've lost a lot of hope in the Republicans after the Marjorie green uh, scenario where I'm like, yeah. what are you, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm a registered libertarian. I think the Republican party is dead personally, but I think our conversation we had on uh, my podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, really, you had a lot of good points. And I think that where we do need to start is um, s stop blaming, you know, blaming one party or the other. There's really shitty people on both sides, as we've seen. Um, and so being able to reach across party, we like, look, let's get this person out of office. And we really need to decide who's working for us, who's working for China, who's working for their back pocket and start expelling those people from Congress. I mean, we need to, each conservative or whatever needs to, or, and libertarian or Democrat needs to look in their own region and say, okay, so this Congress person has lost their minds. How do we impeach them? <laughs> Because people like Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and all these people that have been in government forever, Chuck Schumer, like, what are you doing there still? Are you really winning your election? Are people actually voting for you? Like, we need to figure that out. Because as we've seen this election cycle, there's some funny shit going on. And then did you read the Time article that came out yesterday or the day before? Oh, yeah, where they basically throw it in everybody's faces that the media and social media manipulation is what gave Joe Biden the election. Yeah. So um, it's ridiculous. Uh, but but I don't think that people are actually voting the way that it looks like they're voting. Um, and that's where we need to kind of stop blaming the other party, because what I think uh politics have sown a division on purpose because it is easier to manage people divided than the ones that are standing together. So we have to find some way to stand together at, at this point, or our country is going to change drastically. No, I, yeah, I mean, I a hundred percent agree. And I think um, for us, I think in a weird silver lining, the Democrats pushing the boundary of what's acceptable, not acceptable, and making it very much easier to kick bad people out of Congress. Um, I think right now it's it's starting to feel like a little, you know, a little bullying. But like if the Republicans or conservatives in general take back the House or the Senate, we can get rid of people like Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib that are doing things like saying anti-Semitic things and yeah and i think you know part of it has a silver lining it's like okay well if trump saying mean things is going to get you out of office when you guys are actually engaging in corruption like i don't know if you saw dave portnoy uh tweeted out about nancy pelosi buying a bunch of uh tesla stock uh right before right before the green bill came out and you know telling her husband hey you know but that's not insider trading but then they want to go after you know 
uh, WallStreetBetsRocks.com or whatever uh, for insider trading for, you know, just going just saying, Hey, this looks like a good stock. I mean, they're doing the same thing that all of the, you know, Bloomberg does every day when it broadcasts. We're going to look at this stock. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, that's really all street, Wall Street bets is. And it's really telling of the SEC and um, even our new uh, Treasury Secretary that they don't really want to do anything about the shortage of these companies and all of the corruption that is going on behind in Wall Street. It's glaring us all in the face. It's literally red pilling like the generation of people that don't really care about politics. Well, so for me, it's like I, I'm a free market capitalist and I feel like if there's a product out there you want to make and people want to buy it, um, yeah. that, you know, go ahead for it. But like for I me, mm -hmm. when I started doing a lot more research on shorting, I was like, how is this legal? Like, because it, it, be. it feels like it's uh, almost basically like you're um, squeezing companies with these head. Um, like if you have a hedge fund, you're going to be able to squeeze these stocks out of business and make a shit ton of money doing so. Yep. And in the, in the process, it's like when these hedge funds get together, it doesn't seem like there's anybody who can stop them except for, you know, a couple of guys that were got $600 on their stimulus checks on Reddit. Um, and I had a Robin hood app. So. Which is funny because these people didn't, they're not using their stimulus money. I mean, these are day traders that have been trading for a long time and they know what they're doing. And that is the funniest part about looking at talking about media, looking at the media coverage on Wall Street bets and um, what actually was going on is totally different. I mean, it's like all the news outlets, even the local channels were in on this situation. It's like, oh, we better lie so we can save the hedge funds and save whatever. It, I mean, they they weren't running anything truthful about it. And all you had to do, all you have to do is go onto the Reddit board to see that like these people that are leading this movement, they actually know what they're doing. Absolutely. And I think for us is... Um... I, I hate to see it, but I see a lot of um, conservative people or conservative minded people leaving the social media platforms because of the censorship and you're not getting now they've almost censored themselves because you're not getting the same um, perspectives in these big open plot or like these open forums, I guess I, I, I'd say open forum in quotations, yeah. but um, you're not saying that like you've seen big, big companies like uh, Crowder has, removed himself from Facebook. Um, the Hodge twins have removed themselves from like a lot of the social media platforms. It's yeah, I don't what's what's your if what's your I guess advice you're one of the few people that I know that still stayed on Instagram, stayed on Twitter, stayed on all those. Yeah. What's what's your what's your advice to those conservative people that you know want to fly to Gab or want to fly to Rumble um, and be in that echo chamber? I think for people like us it's good to have a gab. And to have those things just in case our accounts get shut down. Like, it's almost like we kind of need a backup. But I think it's really honestly not good for anyone to be in an echo chamber. And by leaving these liberal leaning places, that's what we're helping create is more of a liberal echo chamber. But I think a lot of the leaving is like, well, I don't want to support them and give them my money. You're not giving them your money. Like, you really have to look at how these 
places are making money. And I mean, I know a lot of advertisers uh, who sell products that spend 20, 40, 50, $90,000 a month on Facebook ads, right? And they're still going to spend that much money because guess what? Their customer base, you as a conservative, you leaving, that's not changing, really. I mean, the only businesses that might be affected by ad spend um, and not having enough people to sell to are people that are conservative-based and are trying to sell like a right-leaning T-shirt, right? So I think that you really have to look at where these people's money is coming from because while, I mean, look, Twitter axed 70,000 accounts and then a lot of other people left and what their stock went down like a couple percentages and then bounced back up. Like literally you leaving is not affecting these platforms at all because they have hundreds of millions of users. So people are still going to make that ad spend. They're still going to get that money and that's how they make money. They don't make money because you're a member. Yeah. And I think you, you'd be able to, uh, I guess, elaborate this a little bit better than I can because I'm still pretty new to advertising. But like, for example, just the pure uh, mediums of of advertising um, from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to like just the mechanisms behind it, uh, comparison to Gab and like what you get for your bang for your buck from Facebook and Instagram to uh, like, I would say like Gab, like for for me, like I can target um, for an example, the done right podcast. If I want to try and reach new viewers and I want to run advertisements and I want to run, I can target people off of their interests, their likes and whatever, because Facebook has developed this model to do so on Gab. It's like a shotgun blast out to maybe a hundred percent market value, but like maybe it gets to people, there's no analytics behind it. And so like overall, just the marketing advertising. So like, I feel like a lot of these social media sites aren't focusing on that aspect of the business to actually gain business over to their side. Yeah. I mean, they've been trying to make money like however they can. Right. And, and on Gab, like I became a pro member or whatever, I feel good about paying $15 a month or whatever it is to have like a pro account. So I don't have to see as many advertisements. And I feel like I'm contributing to some, to a good platform because they do have Gab TV and they have, you know, and I think that it could be, a great thing. Their interface is really good. It is the most like Facebook at, at the end of the day. Um, but I haven't figured out how to grow on there yet. You know, not that I use it regularly, but they're, but they're making all these upgrades so that they can handle more people because it's hard to get on and all of that stuff. I think it has potential, but they do need to develop that business analytics if they want people to be able to grow in that way. However, I don't know that being able to pay to get in front of people is a very good model. It makes a lot of money, but it also leaves you like you have, like on Facebook, if you want to get views, you have to fucking pay. Nothing goes viral on its own anymore. Mm -hmm. They'll suppress it because you're not paying for it. So, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think another thing that um, I guess what you were talking about that concerns me about everybody flocking to Gab um, or Parler or whatever is the big effect of that chain mail politics, QAnon conspiracy theories that we were seeing 
we're not seeing a lot of these major news networks or like credible news networks going over to these sites. And so a lot of the information that people are getting are through that chain mail, rumor mill, whatever, through Gab, and they're not getting good information. And I don't know if that's helping fight. Define good information. Like I do agree with you on that on some level, but define good information because the information about QAnon in general that we're hearing like is not really true. So like, um, a lot of the messaging from the people that believe that is good. And it's raised a lot of awareness for a lot of different subjects. Um, and it's made people pay attention. Uh, but the stuff that's focused on is the crazy stuff that like 0.02% of the people that follow it believe. Um, and that is done on purpose to us. So I think we need to be kind of careful on what we like, how we define credibility. No, yeah, I mean, I feel like for me, like there's, I have a list of my, uh, what I feel is credible sources. So like if I look at something and it's like the Guardian, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, uh, I'm going to try and see if I can get that backed up by something somewhere else. Yeah. Or like places like Daily Wire, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like automatically it kind of has a sense of credibility for me. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it because it's very practical, conservative, moderate, right? Where like, uh, they'll call out Donald Trump when you know he was saying things, or yeah. or like they'll fact check him and be like, ah, "That's mostly true of what he's saying. He's you know, yeah. he's on the right, he's on the right path, but this is where he, he might be wrong on that." Right. Um, I think, but a lot of those, a lot of those sources I find credible are not going to gab because of the, I guess, stigma of the QAnon craziness echo chamber or whatever. Yeah, but at the end of the day, QAnon is like. Not that I'm necessarily defending it, but it's red pilled a lot of people. And I think that it's being unrightly demonized and we're falling into the mainstream media narrative trap and it's dividing our party or our side. So by the right side and the Republicans or whatever, um, who are more traditional demonizing these people that just started to like believe conservative things. And that's what brought them in. It's like, well, dividing us isn't going to do any freaking good at this point. Um, so, like, while I get where Daily Wire is coming from, I also think it's stupid. Like, really fucking stupid. No, I, I think there's a difference between giving people the right information and demonizing them. And I think there's a happy middle medium in, in the middle right there. I think, like, uh, I think we've talked about it before, what Tucker Carlson did with Cindy Powell and um, Lynn Wood is a good example, right? Where... Mm -hmm. Um, you're allowed to make the claims that you want to make, but I need the evidence to back it up, right? And so a lot of this time, a lot of these people are making claims like Hillary Clinton eats children or whatever, right? And it's like, I love to, I would love for that to be true and Hillary Clinton to go to jail. Yeah, and I, maybe I, it is at some point. Yeah, maybe it is, right? But, but you know, you can't make my... <laughs> yeah, but you can't make those wild claims. Yeah. You know, obviously without the evidence to back it up. So I think there is something in there where, uh, you know, it's, yes, it's great that people are thinking more critically now and they're, and they're doing a lot more of, you know, fact checking for themselves rather than going, being lazy and getting the little fact check button underneath and going, Oh, mostly false. Oh, fact check true or fact check, whatever. Um, because I think we've seen this a lot with coronavirus and especially like the mask thing, right. For me, um, I've been screaming about this since March of last year, right? Where I was an EMT and I was like, hey, you know, if you 
cloth mask is never going to work against a virus. I don't know. I don't know what world you guys are living in. A cloth mask is never going to work against a virus. And so yeah. now you're starting to see the media kind of frame the argument so that, oh, we weren't wrong. They work, but you need three of them, right? Like now we know you need three of them. And I'm like, well, if you need three of anything to make it work, then it's probably not effective at all. And even if it's three, if it's three of them to make it 90% effective, if you're sitting in an airplane, you're almost going to get a hundred percent chance if any, anybody's got it. Cause it's only for that one instance of someone sneezing or whatever. And then it yeah. drops dramatically as, um, but they won't show that evidence because, you know, their side has benefited politically on coronavirus. And now we're starting to see like kind of segueing back into the media, how this is affecting the narrative, right? where Joe Biden ran on a narrative that coronavirus, um, he could do a better job and that the only reason that we're not doing things or this thing's not over is because Donald Trump doesn't care. He doesn't have a plan. Only for Joe Biden to come in and be like, oh, well, have a plan. <laughs> yeah, so there's nothing we can do about this for the next two years. And they're mm -hmm. like, wait, what? Like, yeah. and there was no coverage behind that. Like, if you're not actively seeking that information, you're not gonna find out that information yourself. And what what do you think we can do to kind of put that watchdog back on our media? Do we need to make media for media? Like, do we need a watchdog for watchdogs at this point? Or is I that what these podcasts have like kind of become at this point? Yeah, I think we've just seen a shift in how people receive information. Um, and the ratings for different networks have like drastically declined. They're not making as much money as they were. People don't trust them. And so I think that it's either they need to uh, come to terms with the fact that we're on to them, that they are just a big propaganda machine and nobody wants to hear them and change, or they're going to die. No, absolutely. And I think uh, it was funny, not to pick on him, but I don't mind picking on him. Brian Stelter was on a program uh recently where the moder the moderator pick, uh picked on cnn and said that their their ratings were down 40 percent at the end of january after the the inauguration and they were like oh it's because of election fatigue but they didn't jump they, they haven't jumped back up at all and so and what the, what a couple of days ago the number one trending thing on google was regretting your vote for biden and then we're starting to see a lot more of this stuff with um, Jen Psaki and like making fun of Space Force or Circle Back. And like, I kind of like when Democrats are in, in charge because the memes just get so much better. Oh, God, I know. I was like, you know, I'm really disappointed Biden's going to be our president, but we are going to have endless content for the next four years. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, like uh, it was funny because I was talking to a friend of mine and he was like, well, Biden's now president. And so like, what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, so many things. I'm like, every day he's putting out something that I could do a whole episode on. So stupid. I mean, honestly, I'm concerned about the mental state of a lot of people in this country to be able to look at him give a speech and think, that guy's of sound mind. We have a problem. He's not. Yeah, well, I think the other part is exactly what we were talking about before everyone's tuned out the media, right? Like myself included, like I kind of give myself like an hour block every day where I kind of try and get a bunch of information in. Um, I work in politics normally. So like 
I'm overloaded with the information. And so when I go back and watch like a press conference or like a clip from Joe Biden, it's like, I, unless I go out and seek it, I'm not going to see it on Instagram or Facebook yeah. or YouTube. Like you would have saw it with Donald Trump. If Donald Trump made a gaffe at all, like Kofefe or whatever, like that's, you know, you were playing that over and over on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. But it seems like the suppressed media, like uh, there's that one clip of Joe Biden saying, I don't know what I'm signing right now. Right. Like that's that's concerning to me. Right. Like I feel like that if Donald Trump had said, I don't know what I'm signing, that would have been a 24 hour news network cycle of what was going on. So I think it's like the a lot of it is going to like being these people aren't being shown that. No, they're not. And there is a very large subsect subsection of people who aren't seeking it out. But what I think we're seeing is there is a huge shift to people that are because they're sick of it. Uh, and that's why the ratings are down so much. And I think it's just going to keep happening and keep happening. The more that things happen, like Joe Biden takes your fucking jobs away or signs this crazy executive order that now is affecting your life. Um, so I don't know. I, I think there's something weird going on right now and I can't put my finger on it. And I think the next couple of months are really going to be telling. I don't know, maybe the next six. Um, but he's nothing seems right to me. I don't know what it is, but nothing seems right. And people are starting to open their eyes to that. So. Well, I think I 100% agree. And I think a lot of it is um, you're seeing a lot of inaction by Congress being obsessed with this impeachment trial. And you're not seeing anything being done through the Congress. You're seeing everything being done through executive order. I think we're right. up to 43 now or something like that. Yeah, well, the last time I checked, it was like 43. And that was already more than Trump, Bush, and Clinton had in their, and Obama had all in their first month mm -hmm. combined. Um, so I think silver lining is if you do a lot of actions by executive order, very much easier to get rid of them once a new presidency or a new administration yeah. um, comes in. And two, there's so much easier to be able to be challenged in court because of the constitutionality of it because a lot of what an executive order is supposed to be doing is just reallocating the funds that congress is supposed to be doing they're not supposed to be doing things like amnesty through executive order no and that's the funny part is that we've seen you know with texas they overturned that they're like no we're not releasing fucking criminals right now it's not happening so that was encouraging and then now north dakota i think it's north dakota it's like well you know we're just going to make ourselves exempt from any of the executive orders that he's signing and we aren't going to follow them yeah i think it's a big thing that people don't realize that um ronald reagan said this and i i love this quote that the, the states made the federal government, the federal government didn't make the states, right? And a lot of the power that um, the federal government has is through the policing power of the states, right? And so if these states decide to say, mm, no. no, we're not going to enforce it, like there's not a lot the federal government can do. Right, which is something I think that they should probably look at for the Keystone Pipeline is like, he can't say no, really. I mean, if it's the state's grounds and they have decided that they want to do this, then um, if all the states that it was supposed to run through got together and decided we're going to do it anyways, then he can't really say no, right? I don't think he can. Well, so my thing is with Joe Biden is I feel like I've given him a lot 
more credit than he has deserved. Um, I thought I'm like, oh, well, he's just a corrupt politician and, you know, he's going to go in there and he's not going to he's going to do a lot of things to set himself up for success. I felt like according to his base. But in the first, what, 15 days, he's already laid off 150,000 workers of his base of union workers with the pipelines. They're going after all these coal miners. They're going after frackers. They're going after all these uh, working class, like Pennsylvania Joe type people. Um, and every single day, just like when it was happening under the coronavirus, you're starting to see more Republicans in places that weren't traditionally Republican areas, like union workers, like like the union workers of the Keystone Pipeline endorsed Joe Biden thinking that they were going to have safe jobs. And I guarantee you that none of those guys are going to be voting for Joe Biden next year or next well, time. Trump had a ton of unions backing him. I, I mean, the, the whole thing is Joe Biden shouldn't be our president and we can argue that all day long, but he shouldn't. And he didn't really win. And, and we can sit here and deny that all we want to but there's clear interference from other countries and so he but he is there so i think that um i don't know i lost my train of thought because they went off on the election but <laughs> what were you saying <laughs> oh it's just um do you we were talking about how every single day people are getting red pilled by it because they're they are waking up to it yeah and, yeah, yeah and i think um, kind of just elaborating on what you were saying before is uh, every day Joe Biden is putting more people that are thinking critically and paying attention about what's going on into oh. into that bucket. Yeah, this is what I was going to say is I just saw a map of L.A. County. There was other counties involved in it, too, um, but I saw it on Twitter. And so I looked to make sure that I could back it up. And it was it showed the shift. He was trying this person was trying to prove the shift of um uh, blue to red uh, amongst Mexicans, uh, Hispanics. And it was this map of LA County and it showed uh, which portions of LA County voted proportionately red and proportionately blue. And uh, no one can ever tell me after I look at this map that the Democrats are the party of like the working people at all ever again, because this map showed the entire coastline. Now, I'm from Palos Verdes. It's a pretty like expensive part of LA County. Um, and all the beach cities up were blue. And then the inner city where like South Central and Compton and all that, that was fucking red. <laughs> and um, that just screamed volumes to me. It's like, wait, I know this area. I know the parts that are supposed to be blue, that are supposed to be blue. They're not blue. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's been a huge, there's been a huge party shift. Uh, and In really demographics, yeah. Yeah, white liberals, I think white white leftism and white liberals are really driving the uh, Democrat Party right now, and it's not what it used to be. No, and I, I think it's been a surprise to me, you know, living through the George Bush era of, you know, conservatives hate Hispanics, conservatives hate minorities, conservatives don't, are the party of big corporate and big yeah. war, war hawking in the media, and you know, go, getting us into Iraq and Afghanistan and all that stuff. And then now you're like, okay, what's crazy to me is that the conservative party is now anti-war hawking, anti-military industrial complex, 
for the working class guide about the middle class about um you know reining in some of these huge big tech big corporations from you know getting all the subsidies from the government and gaining power like they're authoritarian like it feels like conservatives are starting to fight authoritarianism at every level doesn't matter if it's within the government or within the the capitalist system right well i think the the main message that people tend to um lose sight of when they're talking about conservatism or republicans is the main message has really always been the same it's we all have equal opportunity to get ahead however we feel like we can and we and the government um, allows us to and our system creates gives us tools to be able to do that mm -hmm. right um it's not let me take care of you it's not welfare state i mean it's not any of that it never has been and that's still the message but we've allowed our corporatism and all of that to take over and now the republicans are like whoa hold on a minute let's get back to the basics where we are we have a free market and you can make as much money as you want or not like mm -hmm. you know um but that message, I think that center line message has always been the same. And now people are realizing that they don't want to have to uh, depend on the government and they don't want to be given free shit because that doesn't do anything for you psychologically. You know, um, it makes you kind of feel like a piece of shit. And that and, and, and with the media lies, it's all like, oh, well, wait a minute. Democrats, have you just been creating like a welfare society for so long? And then now we're just finally beginning to see it. No, and uh, I agree. And I think a lot of that shift happened uh, during that housing crash back in like early 2007, or early yeah. 2006, mm -hmm. where a lot of these big banks that were normally traditionally conservatives, the JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, got those huge bailouts by the Democrats and they fell in love with the too big to fail mindset, right? That yeah. like the crony capitalism of, okay, well, if we can't make the dollar bill work, we're too big of a institution at this point. And so we have to, uh, if we cater to Democrats, they'll make sure that the socialistic market works for us. But I don't know how much longer that's going to last because you're starting to see them pick and choose winners and losers like Amazon Web Services. You had Parler that was going to probably overtake Twitter over the next. It was we. I thought we were going to start to see like that MySpace Facebook switch overnight. And Amazon Web Services is picking and, and choosing winners and losers at this point. It's like we really got to rein that in. Yeah, we really do. Um, they shouldn't be deciding things like that it's like these are our policies you follow them or you don't and then that's you know that's where the end of it is honestly i have the hot take and i don't think that um we've really had a democrat or republican president for a long time i think they've all been on the same page and they've used whatever is trendy at the time to have the platform to stand on so how could i win Right. And they've all been kind of working towards the same goal. I mean, if you look at the way Clinton was president and you look at the George, first George Bush and the second George Bush and like all the things and even Obama, like back to Reagan. I read this uh, document not too long ago that was um, declassified and it was about the relationship between Russia and China or Russia and the United States. 
And um, it was really eye-opening because really, I mean, what it basically said is the United States is in the arms race. It's really all they are. And they're very out for themselves. And when you look at history and you look at the last few decades, you can clearly see that the only president that really kept us out of that arms race and got us out was Donald Trump. And that is one of the reasons I think that they hated him so bad. And so I don't think we've had a Democrat or Republican president. I think that we've had whoever wants to play the role. No, uh, whatever, whoever is leading the puppet strings once at that time. No, I 100% agree. And I think a lot of what my issues were with the first George Bush and other conservatives was that that's not, they weren't, I, I use conservative in quotes, but like John McCain, I didn't feel was very conservative. You're starting to see Mitt Romney was not very conservative. Um, and a lot of these people were saying that they were Republicans because they were, you know, right of socialistic but in reality they you know they were just just as had just as hard socialistic policies that benefited them but not the american people and i think the big shift that we saw was i was i won't lie i was a huge skeptic of donald trump at first because there was a lot of things that he said that i was like ooh, like he might be a new york democrat right like he or new york republican where he's like oh he might not be as conservative and for him to come out and be more conservative than I think even Ronald Reagan, where he comes out and he's like, okay, we got to balance this budget. We got to start cutting stuff that, you know, we don't need to cut. We need to start investing in the things that we need to invest. And, at, and you know, if you're uh, China, there's no reason why we owe you debt and still should be giving you subsidies. Or if you're a country that, you know, can well as like, uh, I think he pissed off Germany a lot by, you know, they had a bunch of military bases and we were outsourcing our military might to Germany and to England and to Japan. And we were getting nothing in return and we we're doing it for the UN and no one else was paying their fair share. Right. And so I think a lot of these corporate elitists were able to say, oh, socialism works in this country, that country, this country, this country. And Donald Trump was able to pull the blanket from everybody and be like, it's because they're not paying for the things that they actually need to be paying for. Right. And the United States has been brokering all these bad deals for a long time. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's, where do we, and I guess kind of, kind of closing our, our, our thing is, now, are we in the post-MAGA movement, or is this just the beginning? Oh, I think it's just the beginning. I think that um, as much as maybe some people don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene or um, the little bitch that holds the gun, like that. Lauren Bobert. Yeah, that's what actually is going to reach people because it is so stand up to the establishment. And I think that if if Republicans are going to survive – that's what they have to embrace. These people that are like rejecting their ideas. No, you are literally just trying to like stay cool. And that attitude needs to go. This is not a fucking high school popularity contest. I don't want our politicians to be in fucking people magazine. Like, no, they need to go in there. They need to do a job and they need to do the job that they're the people that elected them want them to do. And as much as you might not like the younger people that just got elected in there, that's what they're doing. They're listening to their base and they're they're there going, no, we need to impeach Joe Biden because he doesn't have the mental capacity to serve as president. This is insane. Right. No, I should be able to 
have my second amendment right no are you know like that um what's his face uh madison he went yeah yeah, he went and gave a bunch of pizzas on on his own freaking dime to the soldiers that were outcasted freaking you know parking garage um because he they they are fresh and they care about the people that they are were elected to serve. And that I think is just, it's gone. Um, and if we need to start backing that, whether we like their um, overall message, we need to back that fire. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, for me is, I think that's the base going forward. Um, yeah. Obviously there's going to be some things that we're going to need to weed out. Obviously I'm on the side of, Marjorie Taylor Greene, in which I think, you know, there's some things that need to be investigated into Joe Biden with his connections to China and his connections with Hunter Biden and all that. Um, But also at the same time, you can't be saying that the Jewish people have lasers, that they're starting wildfires. She didn't do that, really. And she came back and she was like, wait a minute, hold on. Like, that's the problem with the media is that what did she say? Well, no, she she did actually say or or is she allowed to retract that now? She should be able to. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I, mean, I, I think no. And I definitely think that you should be able to retract those issues. And I think she did a good thing by coming out and saying, hey, this is some stuff that I got caught up in a conspiracy, like, you know, yeah. whatever. And I gave this a lot more attention than I thought I should have. And, you know, I'd like to apologize to anybody I hurt in the process. And this is not how I feel. And this is not how I'm going to represent your government, because at the same yeah. time, at the same time, it's like these people aren't our friends. They're our representatives. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they work for us. And I, I think a lot of people have forgotten that that whole dynamic is like with reverence to a congressman like one of my favorite congressmen is paul gosar right and he came on our program and Mm -hmm. he was like five minutes later whatever to the program and he was like i'm so sorry like you know whatever and i was like you know like i'm just so excited that a congressman wanted to come talk to us he's like yeah he's like this is my job though like to come out and reach out to the public and i think there's a lot of those people that are in Congress, but they just don't get the attention that they need because of the media, of of the way they're framing. There are some great congressmen like Matt Gates, I think, yeah. or Josh Hawley. Like what I love about Josh Hawley, and I posted something on the Instagram earlier this week, was he's not there to get along, to get along, to make friends, and go up there and be the establishment. He did not think that any single one of Joe Biden's cabinet nominations was. Were, were a good pick. So he did not vote for anyone. He's not going to go there and go with tradition where all oh, tradition says that we just push through everybody that, you know, Joe Biden wants so that that way next time everyone's going to get pushed through. Like that's how yeah. we get these people like Jam Tisaki, who is, in, I don't know how she got the job. Like she's a CNN uh, news anchor that was in charge of covering up Benghazi. Like, and this is not being covered anywhere, like anywhere. Like I saw it on Crowder and I was like, ah, I can't be true. I didn't actually know that, that I didn't know that either. So yeah, the thing with uh, Jeff Psaki was, I didn't like her, but now I really don't. (laughs) Yeah. Jeff Psaki was the press secretary that was in charge of um, during the Obama administration for the department of Homeland security. And she won edit. She got caught editing um, 
information that the Obama administration was meeting with the Iranian government, said that they weren't meeting with the Iranian government, and then edited video to make it seem like they were, and then later came back and said, well, there's some things that just the American public shouldn't know so that it doesn't affect the negotiations. And then later that year, when Benghazi was involved, it wasn't Hillary Clinton that said, hey, this is a YouTube video. It was while John Kerry, who's also in the Biden administration, um, her and John Kerry came out and said, hey, it was a YouTube video with Benghazi. And that's what started Benghazi. And they they started that. And when they came back and they were like, hey, we don't have any evidence that like this is true. They like doubled and tripled down on it. And then she ended up like resigning later and going to CNN for her, for her only to become a revolving door back into the administration as a press secretary. Well, I think what's happened is what we're seeing in our current administration. If you go back and you read the declassified documents or any documents really on Congress's website, you will see through testimony and all of the stuff that everyone that he's appointed has lied in some capacity. They're no, like all of them are documented liars. And the fact that we there's been no accountability for that over the years is really it should disturb everyone and that is how that is what to me makes some of the conspiracy theories credible is why aren't we looking into these things like i know everybody shits on linwood but how fucking bad are you gonna feel if there is some sort of child abuse going on and the people in his videos on his telegram page that are coming forward as whistleblowers saying john roberts only adopted his kids because they were um, because of this abuse situation and they were illegally surveillanced and these ex you know uh security people are coming forward and saying these things how bad are we all gonna feel if we just shit on him like no the the, the reason what i think gives some of the conspiracy theories weight is that we have embedded people in our system who have something to hide and they can outright lie and we say it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's a problem and that needs to be fixed. Whether or not some of that stuff is true, it's like we need to actually investigate. Like we need to actually investigate Hunter Biden and where the, like we need to follow the money really in my opinion behind everyone that works in the government. We need to do like audits of where does your money come from? Who's paying you? Who's like, we need to figure out who's bribing you, what you're into in your fucking personal time, because that matters. Mm -hmm. Look, we have heading up the impeachment trial. We have somebody that had a freaking affair with a Chinese spy and that's fine. Yeah. Like who are you to talk about national security with anybody? Excuse me. What? You are on the national security like council sleeping with a Chinese spy and everybody thinks it's fine. No censure, but Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, right. and so, yeah. And I think that's kind of like going back to what we were saying about that is like Democrats now deciding that they're going to have this standard. Mm -hmm. It's like, cool. Like uh, I had an old boss back in the day um, that I, I couldn't stand, but one of his, famous quotes was every once in a while you got to be a you can't be afraid to shoot a hostage and i think that's the biggest thing with conservatives is like they're too afraid to shoot a hostage they don't want to be they don't want to play by 
the Democrats rules or they don't want to negotiate with like, the terrorists and they're just going to try and be the bigger person. I think every once in a while, like you had to go look at Marjorie Taylor Greene and go, OK, we'll get rid of her. But now you have to get rid of Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and this uh, the Chinese spy and Nancy Pelosi and like, OK, cool. We'll we'll play this game. But now you're you gonna have to play. Now you got to play at the game too, because yeah. for too long, I think we we as conservatives have played by their rules and then not made them play by their own rules as well. And we're and all I, being like bribed and paid by the same people. I think that that's to me that's the only thing that makes sense. No one can ever change my mind. Is they're playing for the same team and they're whoever's pulling the puppet strings because there has to be nothing else makes sense. It's not like we just elect a bunch of Republicans that are just flat out pussies like that's not there has to be something deeper that we're missing and that needs to go whatever that deeper is no and so i actually will disagree with you on that i think the republicans are pussies and here's why because um kevin mccarthy would not even hold a vote on whether or not he thought that marjorie taylor green should be censured yeah, or but not who been. is telling him what to do that's my point is like what so i think no, well, I think for him is he's super afraid of making the conservative party look weak and and whatever and backing down to Democrats or whatever, right? Like the problem is at the end of the day is like as conservatives, we need to hold our own people accountable as much as we're going to hold Democrats accountable. And guess what? By having Marjorie Taylor Greene have these comments or whatever, regardless, you know, if she said it or not or, or whatever, right? Um, she's already come out and said that she said it and that she apologizes for it or whatever. <laughs> By rewarding her with committee assignments, we have lost all credibility when trying to say that to the Democrats. And so it's like the thing with conservatives, I feel, is like they just need to nut up and just like be like, OK, you know what? We're going to have something that's unpopular or, you know, like a, a black mark on us. But that gives us the ability to be credible later when we need to be credible later, because unfortunately, um, and this is like one of the things I think Donald Trump didn't do very well was Donald Trump came out and started calling out Republicans. And I feel like the Republicans are so much better at calling out Republicans than Democrats are calling out Democrats. Right. You'll never hear a Democrat call out another Democrat or like. No, and because when, because here's the thing is when they do, they get they get rid of them. Look at Tulsi Gabbard. Right. Where Tulsi Gabbard was like one of the one remaining like good Democrats. Yeah. I might not agree with her on every issue. But she was good I enough to go, yeah. to go out on Hillary Clinton or whatever. And how much, how many people on the other side respect her for that now, right? And I think so with conservative, I think with conservatives is like Matt Gates is doing it, Josh Hawley is doing it, Madison Cawthorn is doing it, um, the uh, Congressman Gosar and Andy Biggs are doing it as well. I think we just need to see a lot more of that from the conservative side, and. Basically, they just need to wipe the establishment. I think for too long we've we've protected our establishment of the Kevin McCarthy's, of the Lindsey Graham's, of the and they they really aren't looking out for us because you see that right now with Mitch McConnell. Like Mitch McConnell isn't looking out for the American people; he's looking out for his own self interest. And I think right now the the conservatives just start need to primarying people and like stop being afraid of being like, oh well, we might lose a seat. Well, guess what? We might just have to shoot that hostage. Right. Well, I I think like the fact that Matt G G G Gates 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 doesn't take any pack money at all is huge, and that needs to be more of a trend. 
um, because the way that they're voting is based on a lot of times who is filling their pockets. And we've kind of seen that, like, I love Jim Jordan and he, he's been very, you know, um, he's been pretty powerful on quite a few things, but Google contributes to his campaign, right? So, um, he's not going to do anything to shoot them in the foot when push comes to shove and not as a problem. So some of the, once again, I just feel like we really have to follow the money and figure out what is driving the decisions for these votes. It's maybe not, maybe not um, all money and it's maybe not all uh, the fact that, you know, they don't want to lose a base or whatever. Like it, it could be a combination of both things. And maybe, I don't know what the, I don't know what the uh, solution is, but I think that Matt is on to something by just saying no. No, and I, I for me, <laughs> I'm not going to take it. I think for me is the solution to this and kind of in closing is doing more, more things like what we've been talking about doing where you're going out and you're reading the bill and you want, and you come on your show and you're like, this is what's in the bill. And here's the information here's and breaking it down for people and into bite-sized beasts because the average everyday person like me, I go to work for 40 hours a week. And then, you know, I, I don't have time to sit through and watch, read 2,400 pages or whatever like that. That's what the news media was supposed to be doing. Obviously they're not doing it anymore. And I think that's why you're starting to see the rise of independent journalists. The biggest new media outlets right now are Joe Rogan, Crowder, Shapiro, Glenn Beck, because, and they're, and they're beating prime time, um, you know, cable news outlets because they're taking that information and, and making it like credible and, and holding both conservatives and liberals to the fire when it comes to these issues. And I think that's why you're starting to see the rise of these independent journalists that, you know, you might have to do a MyPillow ad once every once in a while, but it's, it's making, you know, I think it's going to make journalism better. And I think with the 24 hour news cycle and the, I guess the move over to on demand watching, I, I think other than big events like the Super Bowl or the election, there's no reason for like live TV anymore. I promise you, I don't, I like Disney Plus. Like I watch my WandaVision at 11:30 on a Saturday, right? Like I'm never watching it when it comes exactly when it comes out. Uh-uh. So I think this platform and and the move to YouTube and the independent journalists, um, I think there's just going to be need more people and not moving it over into the gap. I think falling into that pit trap of what we talked about of going over to Gab because. You know, Krista can have this great video, this great article, and if it's on Gab with only people that already agree with her, it's like it's not going to make that that social change that it needs to make. Of an impact, yeah, I agree. The echo chambers are bad. So, taking that, um, we are going to start. Uh, I'm going to start reading some of the documents that need to be read out loud so people can listen to them. And then some of the interviews that really need to be read, like especially with this latest D class, my sister and I will role play. <laughs> and I'll be one person and she'll be the other. And uh, that way people can listen to it when they're like in their car or whatever, and you don't have to actually sit down and read it, but you'll be able to reference it if you actually wanna know what it says. Absolutely. And I'm like, I'm super excited. And that's why I kind of wanted to yeah. push you to plug that. Um, go ahead and plug your show. Where do people find you? Um, how often does it come out? Where, you know, like what's going on? Give us what's 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 coming up with drunk politics. 
So we try to put one out uh, once a week, but that hasn't really happened. Um, I'm I'm a little backed up. I need a little bit of help, but um, we are on Apple Podcasts. We have a YouTube channel, Drunk Politics, um, and uh, our website's drunkpolitics.live, and it has all of the links everywhere. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's that's. We just started a locals thing, so. I don't know. Somebody's running that for me. <laughs> so, well, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed having you on and I uh, can't wait to see all the new content that you got coming out. Yeah. Thanks for having me.